But I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. And most of all, I'm glad the Lord Jesus is here because he's promised to be here when we meet together. We'll be finding in your Bibles the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 43. Someone once said, and I'm sure I've said this before, the problem with New Year's resolutions is they tend to go in one year and right out the other. <laughs> and so sometimes that doesn't last. You know, daily devotion to the Lord will last. It'll build your heart. It'll build your faith. One man's New Year's resolution was to lose weight. And so his wife noticed there on the first day of January, she looked over there, he was standing on the scales weighing himself. And she said, now come on, you know sucking your tummy in like that doesn't help. He said, it sure does. She said, no, how does that help you by sucking your tummy in like that? He said, it helps me to see what I weigh. (laughs) You know, so uh, New Year's always a good time for new beginnings. And today I've just entitled this message, New is Better. If you've ever had something new, you know new is better. And uh, new has a freshness to it. It's like buying a new car. There's just that fresh smell. You know, we're a used car kind of family. And every now and then I'll get in somebody's new car. Boy, it'll just make you want a new car. There's just something about new. New is better except for the payment, perhaps, right? But uh, we like new. And if given a choice, most of us would prefer to have the new thing than something that's old and hand-me-down and not quite working as it should. Maybe it doesn't have the quality it once had. We would choose something new. But when we... Here's the thing. Something new often requires changes. To have something new happen in our life or take on a new venture or something like that, it often requires new commitments. And that's why sometimes people, even though they may be discontent in life, when they find out that they have an opportunity for something new and they see those changes and commitments that are going to be required in order to do that or have that, they say, well, I think I'd just rather stay in my discontentment. Isn't that odd that we're that way sometimes? But I want you to see in Isaiah chapter 43, which was written back in a time of Israel's dark history and captivity, that that they were discontent And they were really ready to get out of captivity and get back to Jerusalem. They longed for Jerusalem. They wanted to get back to life as normal. But God didn't have life as normal in mind. God had promised to take them back, but He didn't want life to be the same for them back when they were in Jerusalem. He didn't want them to go back and have the same life they had back then. God was not pleased with the life that they had. So they've been held in captivity in Babylon for 70 years because of their sin. And God wanted to do a new thing in their life when he brings them back to Jerusalem. He wants to do a new thing in our lives as well as we enter this new year. And so let's read about it. I'm reading out of the NIV today. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 and 19 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I think the new year is a great time for us to begin to be reminded of the fact that God desires to do new things in our lives. We think sometimes that every day is just going to be like last time. Church this week ought to be just like last week. God's not at work doing anything new. God is at work today. Jesus said that. 
He said, my father too is at work this very day and I too am working. I'm doing what I see the father doing. Did you know if God is seemingly not doing anything around you, you're not looking. God desires to do new things in our lives. And if we'll only set our minds toward him and seek after him and trust him to do those things that he desires to do and fall into his plan, we'll see the new things begin to happen in our life. But look what he says there. Verse 18, he says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the things of the past. And so I would just encourage you today, even I know we're a week into the new year, but what a good time just to begin to start, if you haven't already. Change your focus. Change your focus. Look forward and not back. Don't look back at things that happened way before. Don't look back at things that happened last year in 2017. And there's a couple of things, a reason why. Even the positive things, we don't want to dwell on those things. Even the, the negative things, for sure, we shouldn't dwell on those things. Have you ever thought about this? There is something mystical about the past. Something intriguing about it. Here it is, it's just a time that has gone that will never be brought back. Things occurred that are different than what lies ahead. We can't bring back, we can't take a time in our hands and bring it back, but it somehow the past can captivate us. It is powerful in that it captivates our thoughts and even stirs our emotions. We can think about things of the past and begin to laugh. We can think about things of the past and begin to sob. Isn't that amazing how the past has a power to it, even though it is not something that is tangible that we can put our hands on. And the problem with focusing on the past is that we cannot move ahead while looking back at the past. In order to move ahead, we have to seek God. And we have to look forward at what God wants to do now, not even the things that He wanted to do back then. And that's what Israel was doing while they were in captivity. They were dwelling on the past that they had in Jerusalem and longing to go repeat the same things, but God didn't have that in mind. He had in mind to bring them there, but that they'd be a new people, that things would change. They dwelled on the past. They were sitting there in captivity thinking about all the great victories they had won. And oh, we'd call them a powerhouse. What a powerhouse Israel was as God worked through them and conquered their enemies for them. But the truth is, they had failed God miserably and they knew it. As we consider moving forward in our lives, in our walk with God, let me offer a couple of suggestions about changing your focus. First of all, do not rely on previous victories to sustain you this year. They had won all these victories in their past. They left Egypt. They had the history of crossing the Red Sea, conquering the, the land of Canaan, one enemy at a time, the, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Hittites, all the acts, they, God just gave them victory, didn't He? And unfortunately, during that time, they became so self-sufficient that pride began to set in. They became so self-sufficient and disconnected from God that what would happen is then when they had a challenge before them, instead of seeking God, they sought the ways of the world. They sought false idols. They sought in themselves, we can do this in and of ourselves. We don't need God. And they continued to walk in their sin. And here they are in captivity. Their previous victories were doing nothing now to help them. 
Their previous kings were doing nothing. They were incapable of helping them. The priests were incapable of helping them. They were forced to go through 70 years of captivity. And I would say to you, you can't rely on last year's good things to get you through this year. You cannot rely on past victories. This is a new year. Vince Lombardi, who became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers in 1959, was known for standing in front of his players at the beginning of each new season, and he would hold up a football and he would say, Gentlemen, this is a football. Well, can you imagine a bunch of grown professional football players having to go through that year after year? I can imagine here's a big old husky linebacker looking at another one going, here we go again. (laughs) It's a new year. Here we go again. He's going to start right over from the beginning. Gentlemen, this is a football. But he started new and fresh every year by taking his players back to the basics of the game and starting new and fresh. He knew that you could not rely on last year's victories to help sustain you this year. There's something else Vince Lombardi knew. He knew that you cannot allow previous failures to possess you. You may have failed in your past walk with, uh, even with the Lord. You may have failed God miserably. You may have failed in some choices that you've made in life. Maybe you're suffering some of the circumstances or consequences of of previous decisions, sinful decisions that you made in your life. We all have a past, we all have a history, and we all suffer some of the consequences of sin. But we cannot allow that to possess us. We cannot allow that to possess us. God doesn't let that possess us. He wants us to look forward and move forward and change our focus. When Lombardi became the Packers head coach, The Packers had just won the title for having the worst record in the NFL. One win and ten losses. One win and ten losses. But he went back to the basics. He gave them a renewed focus. They went on to win five conference championships and Super Bowl number one and Super Bowl number two, which is why it's called the Vince Lombardi Trophy, the Super Bowl Trophy. So they'd failed God. They knew they'd failed God. Israel had. Yet God still loved them and he continued to offer them a new beginning and the promise of something new. And I would tell you, don't let the past keep you from experiencing the new things that God has in store that he wants to do in your life beginning right now. Jesus said no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. In other words, when you come to Christ, come to Him, walk with Him in faith, continue to walk forward, continue to look ahead. Don't look back and long for past things. Look forward for new things that God wants to do in your life. His Holy Spirit brings a freshness and a newness to our lives each and every day if we'll allow Him to do so. Secondly, He says in verse 19, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. But then He asks a question. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? I would ask you that question. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God draws us in. The Holy Spirit says, I'm asking you that question today. And as you're seated there this morning, that's the question you have to answer. Do you not perceive the new thing that God wants to do in your life? Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're saying, Brother Christian, I've not really thought about it. I mean, I think about uh, the new year and I get excited about all that, but I've not really thought about what's the new thing that God may want to do in my life. Does God have a different plan for my life 
than the, the things that happened last year? Or am I just supposed to plow on with the very same things I've done in the past? What new thing do you perceive it? You might be saying now, well, and I've been doing this too ever since working on this message. I mean, God, what do you want in my life? Are there new things? Are there new ways? Are there new commitments? Are there new challenges you actually want me to face? Well, I'll never know unless I seek Him. And that's what we must do. Clarify our focus. I would say clarify your focus. Seek God for understanding about what He desires for your life. That word perceive in the Hebrew means to see and to understand and to know. So really, he's saying it like this. I am doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you not see, know, and understand what it is? Well, if I'm seeing, I have to be looking. If I'm, if I'm going to perceive something rightly, I need to seek to know about it. I need to seek understanding about the matter. And that's what he's asking us today. Do you not perceive the new thing that I have in store for you in 2018? Clarify your focus. Find out what that is. So the children of Israel, they were right in recognizing they had failed God. But they were wrong in thinking that God was finished with them. God is not finished with us either. God promised to bring them back. He promised to bring them back to Israel to the place where He promised to make His name great. And He already knew the people He would use to lead them back. God already had a plan to use Ezra. He already had a plan to use Nehemiah. He already had a plan to use Zerubbabel. He already knew it would take three expeditions to get the Israelites back to their homeland of Israel. He already knew all this. This was God's plan. He was now ready to do a new thing if they would only see and realize what he wanted to do. And I believe this with all my heart. They were there 70 years. He wanted them to get serious about his plan. God wanted them to become serious about what he was going to do. He didn't want them to just get excited about going. He wanted them to get excited about his work in their lives. What's God's plan for your life this year? Most likely, God has already set it into motion. Most likely, God already has it laid out. Can you perceive it? Can you see, know, and understand what it is? Do you see it clearly? You can see it clearly if you'll begin to seek God about it. I want you to see on the screen Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. This is why we need to seek the Lord. He says... My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We just don't think like God does. We just don't perceive things that God perceives. But we can, because He promises to guide us into all truth. He promises to direct our steps. The Bible says the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. We're going this way. We think things are fine. We're living for the Lord in righteousness as best as we know how. And then we tend to want to go this way. Maybe this is the decision. God says, no. And He just changes things. Why? God does that because He loves us. Because we're following Him. So we need to know His thoughts. We need to know His ways. 
We need to seek to live for Him. And I would suggest this. You can understand God's will if you'll make some changes and get back to the basics. What are those basics? Well, first of all, I would say this. Recognizing the will of God through prayer. If you will seek to know the will of God through prayer, He'll reveal to you His will. God spoke through Jeremiah and He said, If you'll seek me, you will find me when you seek me with what? Your whole heart. See, sometimes what we want to do, we want to come get God on Sunday morning. But Monday through Saturday, God's an afterthought. We say, oh Lord, I'm seeking after you. And right now you're maybe encouraged. You're saying, that's what I need to do. I need to seek the new thing God wants in my life. But what are you going to do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? Is, is, are you seeking God on Sunday morning? Are you seeking to understand his will for your life? Has it become a daily devotion in your life to seek His will? It's one of the basics of the Christian life and of knowing God, seeking His will through prayer. Secondly, I would suggest this. Seek to know the ways of God through the Word of God. Studying the Bible. You can know the ways of God by studying the Bible. In Isaiah 1.3, God said, The ox knows his master... And the donkey knows his, his owner's manger. In other words, he knows, he knows where the trough is. He knows where to bed down. He knows which barn is his. He knows where to go and what to do. But Israel does not know, he said. My people do not understand. How can an animal know exactly who his owner is and where to go, what to do, where, who's taking care of him, But my people don't know. They don't understand. I'll tell you how. They don't know their master. And as you get in the word of God, you'll grow to know God more. You'll know what his ways are about. You'll learn his statutes, his commandments. You'll learn the personality of God. You'll begin to learn the attributes of God, the powerful, wonderful, majestic Things about God, things that you didn't know that you thought you knew, things that you were taught years ago in Sunday school will begin to come back to light again. You'll say, I remember sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so taught us that right there. I remember a youth minister brought that out one time and I remember what he said. I can remember even today things our youth pastor told us and taught us back when I was in high school because I've come across them again in the word of God. That's the way the Word of God is. You come to know the ways of God through Bible study. And so here's what my challenge is to you concerning that matter. And that is that we provided for you a two-year Bible reading plan if you'd like to do it. I've done a a one-year reading plan twice in my life, both since seminary, since going into the ministry, and read the Bible through, and I found it very difficult for me to do. Why? Because I found myself studying along the way It made it hard to complete the reading. So I decided this time I'm going to begin a two-year Bible reading plan. The reading's not quite as uh, simplified. Over the course of the two years, if you take that plan that's out there in the foyer, then what you'll do is you'll read half the Old Testament this year, the other half of it next year. You'll read the New Testament this year and the New Testament again next year. So there's some good reading, but I think it's achievable especially if you don't have a lot of time to do that. And so you say, well, I'm already behind. I'll just have to wait till next year. Why? You just get it and you get started and, and go at it. You say, well, I don't want to do that one. I already kind of used one. Well, use that one. 
I, you know, it's kind of like going to church, you know. I said, it doesn't matter what church you don't show up at, you know. <laughs> we ought to go. If we say we're going to church, let's go to church. And uh, so that's the way it is. Well, you take that Bible reading plan. Some of you, you're into digital stuff. So you go to Uversion, Uversion.com. Or you go to the Uversion app. And you, you'll find more plans than you even know. Even this one we're doing is on there. It's listed under Riverside Baptist Church two-year reading plan. It'll pop up and it'll prompt you to read those passages. And it'll check them off for you as you read them. I mean, it's just so simple these days to do it. But I always encourage using an actual Bible. Because I can't write on my iPad. I can't write on my phone. And I know you can to some extent. But uh, I can write notes in my Bible. And I'll find myself flipping over to pages and I'm going, I don't know where that is. But most of us, they say, are visual learners. We won't know exactly where that is. We just think it's somewhere in the book of John. We go and we know it was on the right page where we underlined that one time. And we can find it. You can't do that on an app. So I would encourage you to consider that. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you don't do it. If you're not going to be in the Word of God, how will you know the ways of God? And if you're not seeking the ways of God, how do you know the will of God? You're expecting God to show you what you're not willing to seek for yourself. And so I would encourage you, seek the ways of God through Bible study. Get in the read the Bible through a year or read the Bible through two years, but establish that as a daily habit. I'll tell you this, a few years ago, um, a man came and did a revival for us one time. He stayed in the little bed and breakfast. We were out in the country at Lake of the Pines. He, He stayed in the little bed and breakfast out there. That was next to uh, the church's parsonage. And he came down from Oklahoma and, and stayed. What's funny about that is the lake was, the water wasn't too far behind the parsonage there. A little creek ran up behind there. And uh, he knew that because he could see the, the Army Corps forest right behind us there. And he stayed. But that Sunday night, he, he said something Sunday. He said, man, I couldn't sleep at all last night. So Saturday night, he didn't sleep at all. I said, what was the problem? He said, y'all said something about how y'all came in your house and found a snake inside. And it had crawled up our gray water line into the washroom, the laundry room. We came in the house and there he was, boy, going on. Anyway, he said, I knew there's water moccasins out here. And he said, I couldn't sleep at all last night. So he, he preached that morning, say that afternoon. He preached again. At, actually, he was just there one week, not for a revival. One Sunday. Anyway, after church, he said, I think I'm going to drive on, on back to Muskogee, Oklahoma. <laughs> I said, what's wrong? He said, I'm not staying another night in that little place over there. He said, I'm so afraid of snakes, and I just know there's snakes around here. And so he was just, all, anyway, what happened bad was on Tuesday, after he went back, he had a heart attack. He went, he had a heart attack, and he was in the hospital, and they did surgery on him. And anybody that's gone through that or knows of having a family member do that, now they used to make you lay down, lay still for a long time, a number of days. Now, within two or three hours, they sit you up in the bed. Within another hour or two, they make you get up and move around. They found that that healing, that, that triggers the healing process better. So months later, after we had talked with him, he's, or actually he had mentioned this, and Crystal's mother mentioned it to me. I remember she said, you know what he did, Dave Kelly... When they sat him up in the bed, he said, give me my Bible. He said he had committed years ago to reading the Bible through every single year. He said, give me my Bible. And what he did was he sat there in that room 
and he began to read his reading passages that he'd gotten behind on, he understood the power of God's Word. I hope you'll understand the power of God's Word. The third thing in this second point, in the basics is, choose to walk daily in righteousness. You're clarifying your focus. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God's understanding through prayer. I'm going to seek His will and His ways through reading the Scripture. And then as I come to know these things, I'm going to walk in His righteousness. I'm going to walk in the things that God says. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. That is, the more that we learn the will and ways of God and choose to walk in them, the more our prayers are actually answered. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So I would say this as an overall statement. Lastly, I would say commit to God's plan. Commit to God's plan. Why not take this year and start it out by committing to take more seriously your walk with the Lord? Why not begin this year by saying, I'm going to pursue God more than I did last year. I'm going to pursue God daily through prayer, through His Word, and I'm going to concentrate on my walk with Him. I'm going to concentrate on walking in righteousness and what that means for my life as I seek His plan for the new things that He may want to do in my life. I read the story of a fellow who came to a a dirt road and right before turning off on the dirt road, he stopped because somebody had put up a sign there and it said, Do not enter. Bad road. No place to turn around. He thought about that for a minute. He said, I've been down this road before. It's been a long time. I've been down this dirt road. So he went ahead and he took that dirt road. And you know what he found out down there as he drove down that dirt road? He found out it was a bad road and there was no place to turn around. (laughs) That's what he found out. It took him forever to get his vehicle turned around and get back up to the main road. And as he finally got back to the main road, on the back of that same sign, do you know what it read? told you so and I thought about that I said man how many times have I sought the things of God or I'm aware by how I was raised and how I was taught that the things uh, that uh, to to follow and pursue truthful things godliness and, and choose those kinds of paths for my life only to come full circle and say well they told me so they told me so I shouldn't have done that they told me so I'm just wondering here in this room, how many of us have even experienced that? Not that God does it like this, but that God could say, I told you so. How many? We ever come around, we've taken that path? Every one of us. We've taken that path and God could say, I told you so. Do you know what he does? He may even say, I told you so, but he says, here's a new beginning. I've got a new plan for your life. Do you perceive it? Will you take this path? Will you stay on it? Will you seek my will? Will you seek my ways? Will you walk in righteousness? New is always better with God. The Bible talks about new wineskins. It's a passage that talks about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He can't pour himself into old wineskins. That's how they used to 
do their wine, they put it in the new wine skins. If they put it in the old ones, they would crack and burst. They couldn't hold and contain the growth of it. And so they would burst. And so the Holy Spirit, too, He's not willing to pour Himself into us as we're holding on to our old ways, as we're holding on looking for things from last year to be repeated. No, He wants us to pursue Him and perceive the new thing He wants to do in our life. And He will pour Himself into our lives. So that's the call to commitment today. It's to pursue the new things God has for you. New is better. Everybody say it. New is better. Don't look back. Don't be captivated by the past. Look forward. Clarify God's focus for you and commit to it.